Hey, I'm Michael Durinder. And I'm Jake Bennett, opening up a Spindrift Grapefruit. And welcome to episode 50 of the North Mead South web podcast. And to celebrate the 50th episode, we have some brand new intro music for all of you wonderful listeners out there. I was browsing around this week and remembered that we had a subscription to, oh man, what's the name of it now? I'm going to forget. See, that's how, that's how infrequently I use this subscription because I don't even remember what the name of the, the service is. Yeah. Soundstripe, that's it, Soundstripe. I was like, you know what, we could use some new intro music. So I found something on there in about five minutes that I really liked. I was like, that's that's perfect, let's use that. So there we go. And this Spindrift stuff that I just Mm. opened up live on air uh, is sparkling water. It's kind of like, was it LaCroix? But it actually tastes (laughs) decent. Man, LaCroix is so nasty. I don't know. I, I just can't get over it. I don't know if you've ever tried it before. I don't. I don't think that's anything that we've got that's here. That's not great. That's not great. So anyway, I'm not yeah. missing out. Spindrift. Then. I have my friend. Uh, I I had some this last. Actually, I guess it was this week. On Monday, we had we went up to Chicago, and uh, got to meet this really awesome, like food blogger that my wife follows. And so we did like a cooking class with her. That was really cool. Nice. Alex is her name. The defined dish on Instagram. She's pretty, pretty awesome. And I uh, went to a friend's house afterward and had one of these Spindrift grapefruit drinks. Super good. So if you haven't tried that, uh, nice. check, check that out. It's pretty, pretty good stuff. Good times. What's been going on in your life lately, my friend? Um, pretty much nothing. I've, I went and had my surgery on Thursday for my reconstruction and, uh, went pretty well. I woke up from it. Oh, yeah. So that's always Ooh. nice when you go in yeah, under yeah. general anesthetic. And, um, yeah, I came out and there was no real pain, but they had me sort of sit in hospital for a few hours sure. just to see yep. how I was doing. Then they, physio came in and gave me some exercises to go through. And then they got me some crutches and said, all right, we oh, need you to word. Brutal. walk around because they won't discharge Brutal. me unless I can walk around. And, uh, so they said, you know, give that a go because of the, the surgery, the surgery that I had originally, I went in for a reconstruction of the anterior cruciate ligament which runs That's through the wild. middle of the knee joint. And, and then I needed to have some repair to torn meniscus and oh some bloating bone that they Ooh. went to claim. Chills. And the good news is there was no torn meniscus, so that was great. But the cartilage was damaged quite a bit more than they had thought from what they'd seen in the MRI. Mm-hmm. So they had to put in eight microfractures. So they drew Ooh, into man. the bone um, to encourage the the cartilage to bleed and for the body to basically breed out this fibro cartilage and to rebuild mm-hmm. and heal itself. Interesting. That's pretty cool. So they had to drill in eight of these microfractures into my knee joint, which essentially means that I'm now only partial weight-bearing. And they say partial weight-bearing. My foot can touch the ground, but 
I'm not allowed to put any weight on it. I'm basically been in bed since I had the surgery, so it's a bit yeah, frustrating. Yeah, for sure. And after three days, like getting up to record today was the first time that I actually got out of bed for any meaningful period of time. That's how committed this guy and, is, uh, people. That's how committed this man is <laughs> to making this happen. Yeah. So it's it's a bit annoying. Like you think it's great, you can just lay around and do nothing, but I've got to do these exercises three times a day to try and get the flexibility back and the extension. You've got to engage the quadricep muscle, which I have no chance of doing at the moment because it's a bit sore. It's annoying. They gave me two different types of painkillers, one of which is known to cause some pretty severe nausea. It's also hallucinogen. So um, I've been getting some really weird late night <laughs> telegram messages from Michael. Yeah. Just odd right. stuff. Yeah, like, we hey, give me a turn on the unicorn, Jake. It's like, whoa, what now? <laughs> okay, all right. So it's been fun though, right? It's been fun. So <laughs> Yeah, so, and then Eli has sort of, he's at four months now, so he's kind of hitting, regressing in that sleep. Oh, is it four? I thought is, it was five, my bad. I thought it was at five, my bad. Yeah, he's so he's five months from birth, but it's four months adjusted. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He was a month early. Yep. Because he was prem. Yeah. So some stuff they do based on his adjusted age and some is based on his right. birth age. Mm-hmm. The sleep regression apparently is one of the things they do based on adjusted age. So at four months, we were going. We thought we were going pretty well. He was starting to sleep, not through the night, but only waking once or twice. In the last sort of week or so, he's regressed back to sleeping two hours at a time, hour and oh a half word. at a time. And because I can't can't carry my own weight, obviously I cannot right. carry his weight. I can't pick him up. I can't walk with him. I can't move around with him. So Reese essentially stuck with him 24-7 at we the moment. Should, uh... Which, and she can't, I mean, I can hold him during the day and, you know, help out. If he needs to change, I can do that and give him back, you know, give him back to Ree and... I can watch him, but you know I can't let her go to sleep and have a have a break because if he wakes up and needs a nappy change, I can't do it. I've got to give him back to her, so she doesn't get any rest during the day, and she's not getting rest at night. And uh, I'm hoping that this sleep regression doesn't last too long. Because yeah, right, right. I really don't think she's going to make it two weeks, and it's two weeks minimum before I'm allowed yeah. to walk. I'm not allowed to drive for four weeks. I'm going to be minimum four weeks out of the gym, which is really annoying, and my my daily streak has come to an end at 300 yeah, man, days. That's so close to a year, man. Yeah. You'll do I'll it. I'll try again next year. So hopefully come January 1st, I can get back. That was and, really impressive watching that. And start again. Honestly. Thanks. That was pretty cool. Yeah, cheers. I was going to say, we're going to, we're going to have to start like a GoFundMe to, uh, get Matt <laughs> Stauffer a, a ticket over there to assist with the baby duties. Cause I hear <laughs> he's got quite a bit of experience with the sleep yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's really good at, at yeah, the so, lack of uh, sleep thing. Gotta get him over there. I mean, I had to call someone the other day to they're coming to give us a quote to mow our lawns, which I'm a little kind of, you know, upset about because some people say they do it because they want to have it kept well, but I enjoy it. It's, you know, podcast yeah. time and I enjoy doing it and I can't do that at the moment. And being spring, summer, it needs to be looked after. Otherwise, yeah, I know an Aussie who lives around your area. His name is Aaron. Our groceries delivered today. And Aaron, if you're listening to this, you need to get your butt over <laughs> there and mow Michael's lawn for goodness sakes. Hiring a service, Aaron. <laughs> just, uh, come on, step up, friend. Yeah, he should be doing That's it right. out of the goodness of his heart. But he he just bought a block of land to to build his own house on in the oh, next cool. year or two, and 
had to go out there and and like mow the scrub that was on there and uh, ran into a couple of dingo babies. Snakes. Oh, oh, no, sure. no dingo babies. <laughs> snakes, yeah. So I had to oh get a snake word. hatcher out and all kinds of stuff. So he's got his own problems. He does have his own uh, problems. We had our groceries. Boy, do we know it. The, yeah, I've met time. him. <laughs> 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 we love you, Aaron. Yeah. Oh, just teasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry. Michael's taking more meds right now. So the, the fun's about to begin. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, hey, man, I'm, you know, <clears throat> glad to hear you survived the surgery. Sorry to hear that it's still, you know, going to be causing you some problems for the next couple of weeks here. Hopefully yeah. quick recovery and uh, as little downtime as possible. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I'm probably going to have to take another day or two off work because I don't think that I can actually yeah, yeah. sit at my desk. So when they when they do the reconstruction, they take a bit of a graft of the tendon from the hamstring, sometimes from other other leg is sometimes from ankle, sometimes from a cadaver. In my instance, they took it from my hamstring. Oh, geez. So it's actually, it's not sore. It's just quite uncomfortable to Man. sit at the moment. For, That's weird. You know, depending on how I sit and this it pushes weird, into right? it. So, so yeah, so they take it out of the middle of the tendon and then they stitch so back together. So now it's just and, some time to stretch out. Yeah. So, and because of the surgery, like I can't fully yep. straighten my leg. Right, right. I can bend it okay, but I don't have the... The straightening down part. So uh, it's just, Jeez. it's just tedious. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that they even have the technology to be able to do all that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, it really sucks that that happened. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what, what people would have done like a hundred years ago. I don't know. I don't know what that would have been. <laughs> Probably know. died. Maybe, maybe, maybe died or I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Well, everyone, uh, thanks for walking through us, uh, walking with us through these, uh, these last weeks, couple of weeks of our life with us. And uh, it's always fun to be able to share this stuff on air, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why we like talking about that stuff, but it's always, it's always interesting. It's like Facebook, but like it's, you know, yeah. you know it's audio form, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Almost like Absolutely. As well. So down to brass tacks, my friend, what's the development world been looking like for you recently? I've been, I've been uh, working on some side project stuff, which I can talk about. And um, mm-hmm. I've been posting some stuff on Twitter. Let's dig into that because you have been sharing some of your cool design and looking for advice from people on Twitter and from, from us on, on Telegram as well. Tell us how you're going. You've got a first version ready Yeah, right now? so, I mean, I've been working on this for, man, uh, I don't know, a while, a couple, maybe a month and a half now. We've been trying to work really hard on it. Um, and so initially it was, you know, hey, I'm going to work every, uh, I don't know, like Tuesday, Thursday on this, like from 8 to midnight. And that just... it. It was really hard. Maybe maybe it was more like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. It was super hard to be consistent though because you're just wasted at the end of the day, right? You've yeah. worked your tail yeah. off all day. You get home, you spend some time with the kids, put everybody to bed, and then it's like, all right, let's hop back on the computer and try and do this again for four mm-hmm. more hours. It just mm-hmm. was not working at all. And so I was making little progress and it was like long gaps in between when I'd be getting on. And so I was like, you know what? I just need more consistent like more consistency as far as like keeping on it like day to day, even if it's for shorter periods of time. Right. Yeah. So I've been, um, I was kind of introduced to this routine of like getting up really early by Greggy B, um, Greg Boggs. And he's, uh, he was at Laracon in like 20, 
2015, I want to say, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. I think 2015. And um, no, 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 16, sorry. Anyway he was talking about you know how he gets up really early and stuff and how he felt like that has really done a lot for him to be able to get stuff done that he wants to get done rather than kind of letting the day come at you right and just kind of like getting up at like seven you know trying to get to work by eight and then yeah you know just wasting your evening right and then i was uh reminded of this because uh, i did that maybe two years maybe three years ago i was reminded of this um when i watched a casey neistat video who's a youtuber and he had jocko willink on who is a who is a former navy seal who now does advising for companies and and stuff like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway he's got a couple of really good books and podcasts and he's just an amazing person this jocko willink and he was you know he's done this get everybody's get up at 4 a.m thing so i was like you know what? i'm gonna try that i'm gonna try trading my evening unproductive hours for morning productive hours so what i've been doing is trying to get to bed around 10 o'clock and getting up at four. So like I give mm-hmm. myself a minimum of six hours of sleep, which is actually more than I was usually getting anyway, or or close to the same as what I was getting anyway, by the time the kids are getting up, right? Yeah. And it's been incredible. My productivity has gone through the roof with that because I do it every day. So like, it's like Monday between four, you know, between four and five, I'm getting up and I work until the kids are awake and then I have more time in the morning and it's really good. So even if I don't make, you know, like, I have the mental energy because it's the morning, right? So I've had a full night's of sleep. And so I'm like waking up excited to solve the problems that I'm, I've, I'm faced with. And so like I work on it for like two, two and a half hours, which is really good. And then I'm done for the day. And when the evening comes, it's my time, right? So like after I put the kids to yeah. bed, I can hang out with Laura for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and not feel guilty at all about it because I've already worked for the day on that stuff. Yeah. Nice. Um, so it's been really good doing that. The challenge for me is is getting to bed early enough, you yeah. know, um, to be able so, to get up at four o'clock. Right. So some of the strategies that I've been able to employ with that is I've noticed that, you know, I still the temptation is still there definitely to stay up late and watch YouTube videos or Netflix or something stupid, yeah. right? Yep. But this um, screen time app on the iPhone, I don't know if you've used this much. Yeah. Has, yeah, I use it every day between six yep. and eight p.m. just to like force me yep. to put my phone down and. Sp- spend time with my family when I get home from work. That's pretty cool. That's a good way. That's a good strategy. I didn't think about that. But I go to it and say like, okay, you know, I can I can put on there uh, like approved apps and you can go into your settings and say downtime. You can schedule downtime for yourself, uh, which is mm-hmm. it, it makes you only have access to certain apps. Think of it as like the the portion of your phone that detects when you're driving and then you have to manually say like yeah. I'm driving or I'm not driving in order to override it or whatever. So it basically disables any apps that aren't explicitly allowed during those times. And you have mm-hmm. to say, like, if you're going to do it, you have to basically give yourself permission to break your own rules. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. Give me 15 minutes on this app and then shut it off again. Yep. Um, so I set that up for 930 in the evening. Like my phone just basically turns off. Uh, I have access to like a couple things like maybe text messages and Telegram, but nothing that's going to keep me up at night. You know, Twitter's off, yeah. YouTube's off, Netflix is off, Hulu's off, everything's off. And so that's been really helpful for me. And then the other thing that's helpful too is this bedtime app, which is on your phone by default. Uh, have you ever used that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that really like... Yeah, which tells you like you should go to bed at this time to get up exactly. at a specific time. Yeah, and it allows you to basically see really quickly, calculate how much sleep you're getting each night. So you can like say like, well, it's about, it's about 
you know, 1030, what, you know, I mean, obviously it's not difficult math, but you know, you can yeah. just kind of, you can just kind of move the alarm to say like, okay, give me a minimum of six hours of sleep and then put it in there and then it'll, it'll keep track of your sleep analysis as well, which is pretty great. Nice. So those two things have really allowed me to make progress on this project and to stay hard after it and to get significant amounts of time developing it. So that's kind of outside of the scope of like the actual hard development itself. But sometimes those things, those strategies are even more useful than the development tips, right? Because yeah, especially if they give you time to focus on them. Yeah. Especially like I find it hard enough with, I mean, because I've got a newborn. So when he wakes up in the morning, when I get up at five, yep. I'm up and yeah, I've yeah. got him until I leave for work. And then when I come home, I take him and I've got him until he goes to sleep. So it's kind of like if I want a good night's sleep right now, mm-hmm. I go to sleep when Eli goes to sleep. I go to right. bed when he goes to bed and Rhea and I will hang out, we'll talk in bed and then we'll sleep and then we get up and we do it all again. So like I am a morning person, I get up and I at five o'clock and I take Eli and I go to the gym. Well, I was going to the gym, but then I go to work. But, you know, while I've got him... Well, he's not sleeping through until seven or eight o'clock. I don't have, you know, there aren't enough hours in the day for me to, to do that kind of stuff, which is, which is a, a bit disappointing because yeah. I'd like to be able to do that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, yeah, I want to yeah. spend time with Eli and I've got work. So at the moment it's like gym work, baby. And that's about it. So, I mean, I know that you were doing five o'clock like last year. You were doing that as well yeah. with a few other folks. You were getting on that early grind. And it was really productive and um, keen to give it a go when when things settle down a little bit. And, you know, probably now realistically won't be until Christmas, New Year. I think the the other thing that's really helped me, so this is the longest period of time that I've been able to do it consistently where I'm actually getting up early. I mean, like I'm talking like Sunday to Sunday, like I'm doing this every day. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's because I'm waking up with like an interesting problem like on my plate yeah. right immediately in front of me. It's not like, all right, well, what am I yep. going to do this morning to entertain my, you know, to, you know, it's like I have this immediate thing that has to get done. And so there's no question as to like what I'm doing, right? I get up, turn on my desk lamp, hop on my computer and get to work right away. And so there's really no, like, that's the routine. It's very, very simple. You know, the, my, my, um, yeah. And I mean, some people are going to be like, this is really unhealthy, Jake. Like you really need to break. And like, I, I understand like self-care is like very important, like, and, and it is, but this is a project that has to get done. It's super important. It's valuable, really valuable to the company that I'm doing it for. And it's really valuable for me personally as well. It's allowing me to be able to do some things yep. with our you know, finances in our life. That's really important to me right now. So it's totally worth the sacrifice yeah. and... I am enjoying it, honestly. And and if I was going to say like, I'm doing this for the next year, that would probably be unhealthy. Mm. But I'm talking about a couple, I'm talking about, you know, a couple months maximum, hopefully, that I'm really going to be grinding yeah, on this. there's a time frame on it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Short, short-term sacrifice for long-term gains. So so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant and, and purposeful about making sure that I'm not burning myself out. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of like been my, that's kind of been my routine for the last little bit here. But the development itself is around a um, trip application uh, program. And so like they plan these mission trips, this, this, uh, nonprofit plans these mission trips. Right. 
And so there's multiple pieces from which trip are you going on? There's multiple trips that are going on at any one time. So which trip are you going on? Is it you that you're applying for? Or is it some of the participants that you manage like under your group? So like you can manage any of your family members who might be going on groups. So like if I have a minor that wants to go with me, like if one of my kids yeah. wants to go with me, I have to be able to manage their profile and be able to apply on a, for a trip for them mm-hmm. down to like which type of track are you going to be doing while you're there on the on the trip, you know. Uh, what sort of experience do you have? What's your medical info, your insurance info, uh, blah, 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 right? All of these things that the people who are coordinating the trip are going to need to know. How are you getting there? Do you want us to book your travel? Do you want to book your own travel? What sort of room do you want, right? So it's a hotel, flight, booking, participant, everything you could possibly need to know in one form it is by far the most difficult form I have ever had to create. Not not necessarily in terms of number of fields because the number of fields isn't outstanding. I've created forms with three times as many fields. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the path to completion that is so variable, right? Mm. There's so many different branches that it could possibly go down. And so the savior of this whole thing has been Vuex to the rescue. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I have not used a Vuex ever before because I was like, oh, I can get around it. Like, I don't need it, right? Yeah, I can get by it. with like, com- yeah, I can get by with component state and some other sort of trickery, right? And I just kind of like fumble my way through it. And I was like, there's just, I can't, I cannot do it. But it was such a mental block. It was so intimidating to me for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. Have you ever looked at Vuex very much? No, I've never used it. I mean, I've, you know, I run roughly what it is, but... I've never never had the application that needed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's so basically I think of it as like a global object store, right? So you can just like set up state in a in a global store and then you can modify it from within any of your components and it's reactive, right? So instead of having to do um sort of uh prop drilling where you pass a prop into a component and then into a child component and then to a child child component which can be very difficult right you lose track of that you basically just have this global object you know you think of it just like you would with like your eloquent database you can call to that thing from anywhere within your application Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to pass properties and attributes way down the chain to get to stuff that'd be a huge pain in the butt right yeah you can just call it from wherever so you can just access it where exactly but the the problem is that you have to specifically say you have to you have to define any mutations that you are going to perform upon that state in a method like you have to create a specific method to Mm. say oh i'm going to update the state in this way which is freaking annoying right especially mm-hmm. if you have to define a mutator for every single field it's a change in mindset yeah that's just i think that was the thing that really turned me off I'm like that's just stupid like that doesn't make any sense at all like i guess it makes sense but it's just it seems mm-hmm. super inefficient um, i just wanted to be able to have a global store and just be able to like update it you know so anyway thankfully mr david hemphill like mr abuse laravel abuse whatever <laughs> just get the job done right like but in a good way it's not like it's yeah. not like he's like doing it wrong he's just i don't know he figures out the ways to do things that makes really good sense and so he gave me access to a repo that he's been working on push silver next where he's doing everything in the spa and using vuex and it was just like the blinders came off i was like oh (laughs) this is how you do that okay okay like this is a sane implementation of this pattern i can see how this works now and so that was the 
you know, that was the turning point where it, the light bulb moment. exactly where it went from just being like a, this is completely insurmountable. There's no way I could solve this problem to being like, Oh, I can totally see the light at the end of the tunnel. And now I'm done. Like the application form is for all intents and purposes done. All of the paths are accounted for. Everything is being handled. I went through the entire application today, like 10 times and everything works great. great. Um, so I've got a couple pieces left to finish up. On that, I have a uh, like a, uh, progress indicator along the top that shows you mm-hmm. where you're at in the process. That's not working yet, which should be pretty simple. And then I actually need to get the submit button. So like when you click submit, it actually creates an application. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really stoked about that. I've still got lots of work to do on it, of course. But I'm very. This is like the most complicated portion of the application, I believe. And then the other part that I'm really excited about is once I get this done, then I start to get. Uh, I start to. Uh, or I get to start working with Nova, which is the huge reason why I was able to take this project on in the first place is Nova affords me so many things that would have taken forever to develop before. Yeah. So pretty stoked about that. So that's been, that's been a big part of uh, what I've been working on recently in development stuff. Um, And then I got some other work things that I can talk about later, but uh, how about you, man? What have things been looking like for you? Um, Well, we've been kind of hitting some weird edge cases, some weird operational load issues on on our end. We discovered that some of the hardware that was that we're on has wasn't set up in a way that would typically have been set up. And so we're starting to hit some hard limits at the hardware level, which is having some cascading effects down to software and we've got operating systems that start spiking in load and at predictable times, same like you're talking like CPU limitations or like memory or hard drive. What yeah. are you talking about? Like what what sort of physical limitations? Yeah, it's so basically the the server hardware that we've got, the way that it's been connected, is limiting how much capacity it has in terms of talking to okay. its storage, which is like bottlenecking at some points during the day. We've got some issues around. Like I said, the operating system will just hang. It will start reaching high levels of load at random intervals and it's having cascading effects down into the software. So we're having some interesting times trying to work around it because it's not something that is easily like we'll basically have to rebuild the entire infrastructure in order to fix these issues, which is obviously not a concern with the programming team, but in the meantime, we have to figure out how to work around these issues, which has been interesting because for a period of time, it's like, mm, there's nothing there, like we can't observe it. And then for another period of time, is yeah, we're seeing it, what's happening, and we haven't been able to see anything at the hardware level, like at the times where the software starts to act up, there doesn't appear to be anything happening at the hardware level that we can observe. So There's just no correlation, a, yeah. Yeah, it's a ghost in the machine kind of thing. So now we've kind of figured out what's actually happened and now we're trying to, you know, stem the bleeding a little bit um, in terms of figuring out what's happening yeah, and I'm, I'm really, how we can work around it. I'm curious. So, like, I, I'm trying to figure out... You, the company that you work for is an internet service provider, right? Yeah. Okay, and you manage the the development team who handles like what sort of applications are you guys building for the company there? Like you guys are building. So we we've got the internal CRM that manages all of our customers. We've got customer fuss customer facing portals 
where they can log in yep. and check yep. the usage and pay bills and things like that and manage that billing systems, our quota management systems, like customers that go over quota, they need to be shaped, they need to be unshaped or suspended and things like that. We're building all of that software to manage, I guess, the customer experience, both internal as in our own staff and the call center and things like that. And also external as in the customers themselves that, that subscribe to the internet services. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking through like my my ISP. Like I literally visit it like once a month, right? To visit to pay my bill. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out like what are what are the services that you guys are providing that is causing you know people to be able to either cause so much traffic that it's really causing issues, or is it like is it your service texts that are going out that are like you know bombarding the system while they're out on the you know road trying to figure out like as they're managing customers and updating things like you know like what is the massive load from i'm wondering i we don't think it's any like massive load i think it's more a slow and steady increase Mm -hmm. over time and as you bring more customers on inherently you've got more more data so the main one is in traffic accounting and tracking data usage is quite an intensive thing as well ah i see so even even like the the data itself just tracking how many gigabytes you downloaded because we're in Australia and we still have monthly quotas. We're tracking customers' usage is quite an intensive process. And this is something that happens for every customer every 10 minutes for every year. See, that makes more sense. Whatever it is. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. So when, as you start bringing on more customers, we've got more customers reporting more often or the same amount of time, but more customers reporting. And so these things all happen and you've got all of this software that's running at different times and it's and these are problems that I'm really curious what's reporting like what's reporting that data to you like is it like is everything running basically like through a proxy then you have like stuff that's listening on like hey which customer is this and then generate a report every 10 minutes or yeah so it's all basically that when you authenticate you get a session identifier and we track like when you came online how much traffic goes through the connection to the customer and back and uploads and downloads. And that obviously something has to keep track of that, Yeah, which is running all the time. And then something has to take snapshots of that information periodically. And then, you know, we take daily totals and it happens often enough for enough customers. And we're talking thousands of customers reporting every 10, 15 minutes, whatever. Um, But these are these are growing yeah. pains as well. Uh, these are things that have worked fine until this point, and we're now at a size where, at my previous ISP, like really? we had the same okay. problems at my previous job, and it's just a matter of working through and dealing with them. And you purchase hardware and you set things up, and ISP is an interesting game where you basically want to set everything up to get as many customers as you can without having to change right. anything for as yeah. long as you can, and then and then it gets to a point where it's like you know now we need to actually start scaling because as with a lot of things. You don't want to prematurely mm-hmm. optimize. Yep. You know, you're not going to go out. Uh, for example, the routers that that you would have initially, you'd have a, have a router that could support a thousand customers, and then once you get to two thousand customers, you add another router, and you keep doing this until it was you know economically unfeasible to have ten routers serving a thousand customers when you can have one router that's serving fifty thousand right. customers. But you've got to you've got to have the economies yes. of scale to justify that. Sure. But the, the, these routers that can support tens of thousands of customers right. cost hundreds exactly. of thousands yeah. of dollars. So you make do with what you've got. 
for as long as you can until you're in a position to actually scale. So yeah, it's just it's just growing pains and and it's a good thing to have. It's just a difficult yeah. period to work through because off, yeah. you have to fix, you know, figure out what it is and you've got to justify fixing it. And, and there's all these like inherent bugs that are going to... And yeah. yeah, then the bugs as well. And then justifying the resources. I put my foot down on Friday and said, we're not supporting any more PHP 5 code unless Good it's man. broken. Like we're not adding anything to it because it's end of life. And they're like, oh, you know, you can't, you, you know, you don't decide what's end of life. And I said, no. The people that write the language have decided it's end of life. And then as of the 31st of December, there'll be no more support for it. For those of you who are still on PHP 5, the 31st of December is the drop dead date. There'll be no more security updates, no more patches, nothing. So I've said, you know, anything we do now, if we're going to add features to it now, we're going to have to modernize that code base. So that was yeah, fun. I, I just had to do that recently. We had an old CodeIgniter app sitting out there that was on version like 2.1. Coding that is 2.1 and it's not like mm. 3. Point, I don't know. Like I feel like it's like a 3.3 or something. Yeah. Yep. So I had to go from like 2.1 to 2. Point, it was like, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> there was like, you know, five or I don't, maybe more, probably seven or eight like updates, like patch, patch, mm -hmm. patch, patch, mm -hmm. patch, patch, patch. Yeah. To get it to a version now where it's like the latest and it can run on like 7.1. Yeah. Yeah. I think, which is pretty cool. So now I just, I'm just testing it before I migrate it over, mm -hmm. which you know what I was really impressed by is how freaking easy the path to upgrade is for CodeIgniter. Nice. I did all of that in a day, not even a day, like half a day. Like I'm talking like eight versions up, like moving from way old, way old CodeIgniter to like mm. current version. That's that's good. Because all you have to do is replace like the index.php file and, and, and move over a system folder that's it and overwrite the old that's system easy. folder and you're done all easy. the core stuff lives in one folder that's cool and that's and that's testament to code igniter making it really easy to you know maintain a backwards compatibility over an extended period of time and that's you know wordpress is like that as well and that you know they won't whilst i think their hard and fast stance is whilst there are servers on the internet that are running php 5.2 they will support php 5.2 which is obviously to everyone's dead right, but right. being able to support all of those versions means that for people that are on hosts that like, you know, because, you know, people spin up WordPress sites because they're easy on some, you know, $5 yeah. server that has cPanel with an easy WordPress install and then they, they don't do anything with it. They don't do anything, you know, they don't maintain it. They just, they write their blog posts or they add their products to their online stores or whatever and they don't. They don't know that it's running PHP or that it's on a version of PHP that's 10 or years that old. They haven't they just... patched Linux for like 10 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, and these cPanel servers get oversubscribed and they have hundreds of, 100 of 200 customers on them and they run like dog food and you can't restart them to update anything because oh, you've yeah. got hundreds of customers yep. on there and when's a good time of day to do that? And then it gets to the points where like the server starts to fall apart and it's like, well, we've got to commission a new server that's got PHP 7 on it because it doesn't support PHP 5 exactly. anymore. This is, and then who's responsible for hand-holding those customers that don't know what's going on? This is the exact reason why I was able to really push this issue of upgrading the system that I'm working on right now for Spread Truth. It was like, listen, guys, this is on 
a version that is dead. Like nobody's using this anymore. Like it's been patched from version three to version four to mm-hmm. version five mm-hmm. and it can't be done again. Like I cannot move this code base from five to seven. It's just not yeah. going to do it. I, I can't. And so I'm like, we have to rebuild this thing because you just never know when the server, when the, you know, the hosting company. Yeah, like, when it's going to go bang. To be fair, maybe I'm being a little bit doomsday-ish by being like, hey, you never know when they're going to come in and just be like, hey, we're not <laughs> supporting this anymore and we're going to have yeah. no options. You know what I mean? Like you could find an option. You could run a Docker yeah, you'd box always or something. something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you yeah. could make it happen. But I'm like, you don't want to do that. And the only people who can work on that application are people who have an intrinsic knowledge of that mm. code base because it's not anything. It's all custom. Where I was like, okay, I'm going to move you to the latest version. We're going to be able to stay up today. It's going to be on a Laravel code base where like if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, yep. you could call one of about a million people anywhere who could jump right into that code base. Laravel yep. view, yep. it's as it's as vanilla, you know, yeah, vanilla Laravel front, view vanilla as you get. Environment. Like anybody could work on this thing. Which I think they really like. Like I'm not locking them in to be like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm the only one who can work on yeah. this because that's mm-hmm. the other thing, right? Is I'm not even a full time employee there. So if I just yeah. decided like, hey, I'm not working with you guys anymore, well then they're just screwed. I mean that that's a bad <laughs> Yeah. And like I got called a zealot the other day by one of my own team because I was I was too zealous about conforming to Laravel standards. And I said, this is not about conforming to standards. This is about following conventions so that if we need to hire anyone, we can just hire anyone that knows Laravel and knows the conventions and just drop them into the The project. The ramp up time is like... Rather than having to spend six months learning like the, the crippling bespoke nature of the old stuff. And like... There is software in our in our organization that that no one in the organization actually knows how it operates because because people you know they've moved into other roles or they've left the company and they don't manage that stuff anymore and so what do you do you, you look at it and go I don't know why this right. isn't working give me like a day to try and get my head around it and and the biggest issue is that with ISP systems like you might have something that's responsible for data accounting. But you don't have a development radius server. You don't have, you know, tracking customers and and development customers. And so in order to, like, get your head around this thing, you have to poke at the production software yes. oh, man, to figure yes. out uh-huh. where it's breaking. I'm there, man. I've been there. That's a... It's the same thing I'm talking about with that um, with that app I just upgraded on CodeIgniter. That's totally it. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, is this it? Oh, yeah. okay. Nope, that's not it. All right, Un- undo, undo. You just poke. Is this it over here? It feels like you're playing the operation game, you know, where mm-hmm. like you've got the little tweezers and you don't want to touch those metal edges. You just got to get that little piece out of there and it's like, yeah. all right, is that it? And like, don't touch, don't you dare touch that one thing that's going to screw everything up because it's like, yeah. it's during the day, it's production. I would love to say that that's exactly not my right. reality yeah. ever. It is. It is yeah. so many people's reality to be like, yeah. there's this one application that just you have to, that's the only way you can do it. And I say only, right? And it's the kind of thing that it only presents itself under load. So I'm like, how am I going to simulate thousands of customers all being online and using the internet to to get this thing to fall over? Yeah, I'm not. I know, I know. And and the best part is like this code is now running PHP 7.1 behind Upcash. So anytime I change yeah. any of the code, I oh, have gosh, to reload Apache right. to get oh, it to, no. to take on the changes anyway. So yeah, it's fun. It's uh, And I said, I'm pretty sure it's not this piece of the puzzle that's actually causing, this is where it's surfacing, 
but I don't think this is where the actual problem is occurring because it's sitting behind Sentry and Sentry is not throwing yeah. any exceptions. So it's one of those things that's like it has to be fixed and I understand it has to be fixed, but I can't find the problem to fix. I know that there is a problem. I can see the symptoms of the problem, but I can't find the the root cause. And that's, you know, that's where it gets a bit difficult because it, you know, the longer it's left there, the the more customer yeah. impacting it becomes. Yeah. You're going to have to get um, TJ or Paul to uh, set you up some, some Docker stuff and just be like rolling deploys where like you have like three servers that are all load balanced and then you just chuck mm. them, you know, take them down, roll them out at one of the time rebuilding your op cache or I don't know. Those always sound like, cause the thing is like, I could say the same thing about the problem I'm having like, Oh, well just, you know, well, sure. Just, you know, get a swarm set up and, and you're <laughs> all set. It's like, Oh no. yeah. Yeah. Three years later, maybe. Right. Yeah. It's just, maybe. <laughs> but I need to solve that problem now. And like the code base isn't, isn't a pretty good state. Now, most of the new stuff that we're doing is all like, like Laravel. And it's just, it's just the getting from A to B and the the legacy stuff that like really is core to the business that that we need to keep running, you know, and just every time we think we're moving forward and we're modernizing another piece of the code base, we have to take three steps back and have a look at pieces like this that that have just been working for for years and years, fine, and now well, what's wrong with them? So yep. I mean, and PHP in in this industry may not even necessarily be the right uh, the right tool yeah. for the job. Like we just wrote, wrote some stuff recently that was PHP and it was like this one file that was no 2,000 lines long with all of this duplication and nested if statements that I had our, our newest developer rewrite in Python. Oh, nice. And, and he spent like three days rewriting this thing and it works so much quicker and so much smoother and is much more scalable than the old solution and it's like a fraction of the size. So, yeah, branching out into bits and pieces, like as much as I like Laravel, not everything can, not all not all problems can be or should be solved I know. using Laravel. When the tool you have in your hand is a hammer, everything looks looks like a nail, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. it's that's the, that's the problem I have. But you're right. Like, you're absolutely right that it's not always the right tool for the job. Speaking of which... Every year we have a conference that we go to and every year for some reason, I don't know why I volunteered to do this. Mm -hmm. They want, they wanted to do like, you know, Hey, sign up to win our giveaway. We're giving away like a, you know, I don't know, like a 50 inch TV or something crazy, stupid, whatever. Nice. You know, it's just, it's, it's a fun thing for the participants because everybody wants to win something and that's a pretty dang good giveaway actually. Yeah. yeah. So like we'll ship it to them for free, you know, we'll make sure it gets to their place, whatever. Mm hmm. So good prize, but I think I volunteered one year to be like, you know what, instead of like collecting business cards or something, why don't you just like give them an iPad and just get them, let them sign up through that, mm. right? And then everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And it's like, oh, you know what, why don't we do this? Like we always have these t-shirts we bring in stuff to give away. Why don't we not bring t-shirts? Let's just let them order them on the iPad and we'll just follow up with yeah. them with email and get their shipping address. And like, yeah, yep. well, oh, why don't we do that for the entries and for, okay, and then let's do this. To, you know, it's just like three. Snowboard <laughs> out of control. The simple idea becomes like a whole like problem. And then it's like, okay, 
Well, now you have to have an iPad that's running in kiosk mode that has like a local web page because you have to pay $600 for conference Wi-Fi and it's shoddy mm. at best. So yeah, like there's absolutely. no guarantee that it's going to actually work when somebody's going to sign up, you know? So mm-hmm. there's all of these challenges. So I used for the first time like Vue CLI. I, Adam Wathen had something out there. It was like Tailwind and Vue CLI packaged mm-hmm. up like here you go here's a sample it's not project. a project and um you know obviously if you see the lie whatever you can build like a single page web app and i'm like this is perfect i can host it all locally no problem so up and running had our designer stub something out and was done with the design in like half a day it was incredible so fast mm. it was so fast because it had hot reloading which was amazing right you just you like npm run watch and it's just sitting there in the browser and I'm using Tailwind. So every time I make a change, it's just immediately changing. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. And it was so fast, so freaking fast. And I used View Router for the first time, which I've never used before. Nice. And the hardest thing with those is always just getting set up, right? View yeah. Router is not actually difficult to use. It's not difficult at all. It's super simple. Like you see it sitting there and it's like, oh, oh, okay, I can figure that. That's, that totally makes sense. But it was already set up for me, right? The trick is always like figuring out like, okay, how do I get it put into the view root component and how do I get it to respect blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, here's a project. Here's the router with an example route. Now you just add your own and change you know, or change the existing ones. And it's like, oh, this is perfect. Mm, um, easy. Yeah. And then using transition groups between pages. So like you can just wrap everything in a transition group and then it fades out and fades in real nice and pretty man i'm telling you dude it was just super freaking simple so i didn't use laravel for that one obviously right you can't use laravel for that one uh but before it's always been like a frankenstein to jquery mess and this just made it so simple so simple thank god for tailwind and for view and for adam Wathen. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a Certainly nice having him around because he he does so much stuff and like he teaches so much, but he also puts out so much, you know, so much of this good uh, knowledge, which is free. And then he's got his obviously his paid products, but just just the products he puts out and the ideas that he spends the time and he's in a position to spend the time to just go out and do these these live streams where he's showing how to use like it's not just Tailwind is out in the open and nothing. I think. A big part of its adoption is the fact that he's spending the time to like take a website like the Netlify dashboard and show like this is how to build it and this is how easy it is and this is how close we can get to their existing thing without touching a single line of CSS. So I'm in love with Tailwind. We love Adam and we love his products and he's got his book is due out by the end of the fall, which Steve Shoger tweeted the other day is the 21st of December. So looking forward to a... A bit of Christmas reading. Yeah, refactoring UI. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be really incredible. They've released some free chapters uh, recently, so um, it's looking amazing, so polished. And I would say like a large deal of like my success in becoming a better designer over the last year has been due to Steve and Adam's work just on Twitter. Like I, I can't tell you how often I go onto Twitter to Steve Sugar's account and just like look at yeah. like, okay, what knowledge does Steve have for me today? And I just go look through his most recent like media posts and just go like, Oh, oh, that's a really interesting idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. You know, it's just so many times I get, I pick up so many interesting ideas from there. So it's like half dribble, half Steve Sugar and Adam Wathen. And between those two, I'm going to pick up some pretty good tips. And it's like, like even if you don't use it immediately, it's stuff that sits in the back of your mind that you can later, 
ago. I'm pretty sure it was this on Steve's Twitter, and then you can go and look it up and like his form stuff. I I noticed with what you've been posting, those forms look a lot like the forms that I built 12 months ago using the same ideas that that Steve shared in terms of you know layout and and yep. positioning. So yep, it's very cool. And I mean, maybe maybe this is going to breed a whole new you know a whole new uh, collection of of, of um, bootstrap sites where, where they all look the same but but at least they'll be well done i mean that's the thing i don't think yeah. people really care about novelty like that's the thing like i mean especially when you're talking about forms people don't care yeah. they just want it to yeah. work and they want it to be easy you know and so i think that's the goal we're all after and i mean man designers might care like that theirs looks unique or like interesting mm. or something, but a user just wants to get through the form, Yeah. right? As from start to end. Yeah, in the shortest amount of time possible and in the clearest, concise manner. And it helps if it looks nice and they should look nice. But uh, anyway. Mm. Oh yeah, I was going to say one more thing. Um, so that local, and this is probably exceptional, my circumstance, but like I was trying to figure, okay, how can I store all these responses that I'm getting on this iPad without an internet connection. Cause I'm like, I, I need this thing to work if there's no internet connection. Uh, so how do I do that? And then how do I have it like sync up, right? So of course, service workers are the way that you do this, right? How do you build an offline app, first app, right? But I didn't trust this, this old outdated browser on this mm-hmm. kiosk application to actually uh, implement service workers. Or if it did, I didn't, you know, I, it was just, I was on a deadline. And I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what's the, what's the minimum viable product I can do here, right? So I ended up using local storage. So I didn't even install UX actually. So I needed to persist data between two different router pages on on um, in the view component. So in the first one, I'm just collecting like which items they wanted. So they want this t-shirt, that t-shirt and a magnet and a pen or which ones that they want, right? So I'd, I'd keep that data and put it in local storage, save it as like order. And the next page I'd collect their name and their email. And so then I would take those two things, combine them, chuck them into local storage, clear those, uh, those existing fields, and then reset the form. So now I have a payload that is continually being built up on local storage, and it just sits there. So the cache never clears on that page because I told it not to. And so the local storage just continues to, to keep the orders and the registration information locally on that iPad. So like you could just turn the Wi-Fi off completely and just boom, 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 boom. Nice. And then when you get back to the hotel room, hook it up to the Wi-Fi. And what it will do is, you know, on the first check of that page, as soon as that page loads, it tries to take that local storage and throw it up to a JSON, just an endpoint that basically just collects that JSON, which I found a really cool service. It's called JSON, JSON bin. And it basically does exactly that. You can just say, hey, here's an endpoint. Go post any of this JSON to that, that location and just persist it there. And it uses your GitHub credentials. So if I'm logged in on GitHub, I can go see that endpoint and what's there, but nobody else can. Awesome. It was like a perfect solution for nice what I needed. Nice and easy. So it was, um, yeah, nice and easy. And it worked so well. Uh, so offline first, hashtag offline first. <laughs> worked, worked pretty well though. Yeah, that sounds like a good, good quick solution to the problem. Exactly, so. yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to knock it out. And this is the thing, probably as a closing thought, that a lot of developers, they're always looking to polish and get, you know, know the most perfect solution that's going to scale and whatever. And sometimes, and I think this has really been the theme of this episode for us, is that sometimes you just need to, to shit. 
the, the smallest discrete piece of software you can that fulfill that fulfills a purpose and as you say a lot of people they don't care what the form looks like they just care that that it's easy to fill out that they can you know submit whatever information they need to and as quickly and as easily as possible yep, yep. absolutely yep well hey man that was a good episode what episode are we on 50 50 episode 50 yeah golden yeah. thanks everybody for listening it was uh really good i would say really good chatting with you of course this is only a one-way conversation but of course if you like the episode you can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 50 if you have any questions for us of course hit us up on twitter at jacob bennett at michael Dorinda at uh north south audio and um rate us up and your podcatcher yeah five stars would be great and we are actively looking for people who would be interested in contributing to our hosting fund and if we could get six people each donating two dollars a month we could cover our hosting costs wouldn't that be amazing i think we had we had um we had spotsy covering it before right yeah yeah they covered us for a year they covered us for a year but i think that's over it is so if anybody would like to donate let's see what is it hold on for the year if anyone wants to donate 120 bucks let's just make it 150 We'll mention you every episode from now until the end of the year. So we'll just say for the year of 2019, you'll get mentioned on every episode of North Meets South. 150 bucks. That's like the cheapest sponsorship you're ever going to get ever, ever. We should just make it, you know, we should make it like around 500. We should be like, hey, 500 bucks to get mentioned in every episode, buy some new podcast equipment. If you're really feeling generous, that'd be awesome. And if you're still listening, I'm really impressed. <laughs> so if you know anybody who'd be interested in a sponsorship deal between $150 and $500 to be mentioned on literally every episode of North Meets South for the year of 2019, hit us up. We'd be interested in yeah. talking to you. And if you are interested in in anything less than that, hit us up as well. And maybe we'll we'll look at the Patreon thing as well. Yeah. We don't want to come across as too, too desperate, right? But it's <laughs> like, you know, why? I don't if know. you want to give us a dollar a month, why not? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hey, and I know so some of you asked a while ago and I looked at it and it used to be that you had to submit a podcast via a Google form to Spotify and I submitted it and never heard back and then I just forgot about it and someone mentioned it the other day. Oh, I was looking in Spotify for the podcast and the only only reference to our podcast that came up was for an episode, the crossover episode that we did with Dads and Dev. So I submitted us and we are now on Spotify. Mm-hmm. If you wish to listen to us on Spotify, we are also on TuneIn. If if you use TuneIn for your listening needs, where we're listed there as well. So give us a, a shout out if you need, if you use either of those two platforms. Oh, and speaking of uh, Dads and Dev, uh, I think coming up hopefully soon here, we will have our annual North meets South meets Dads and Dev meets TJ Miller meets Chris Gamir Christmas extravaganza podcast special yeah yeah yeah. we're gonna have to sort that out pretty quickly because christmas we had our christmas pageant here yesterday eli's first we sat and uh, and watched on the tv so christmas is not too far away i know it's so close all right so we're gonna have to put that on the calendar because that's always a fun one. Oh, dude that's always so fun <laughs> last year it was a blast we had like trivia that was good times yeah because we're going to have to do something special again this year and we'll have an extra extra voice on. So, yeah, I think think this thing's growing out of hand, but it's so much fun. <laughs> Can't <laughs> stop, won't stop. Yep, for sure. All right, man, it was super good talking to you. Yeah. Uh, best of luck with your recovery. Thank you. And, um, yeah, until next time. See you. Bye.